The following is intended for mature audiences only. Welcome to Altitude Adjustment. Good afternoon. It is 2 p.m. Central Time, May, um, May the 28th. I'm Leon Davis, and you're listening to Altitude Adjustment. I thank you for joining me this afternoon. Today's uh, topic is about infrastructure. Uh, earlier in the week, I had a conversation with someone, and eventually it got around to the financing of infrastructure. And there had been things that I had not thought about as far as the financing of infrastructure that uh, came out during that conversation. I said, well, let me look into that more. And then I, as I got more into looking into it, I decided we'd do the show. Well, after I had decided to do the show, there was the shooting in Texas. I could have changed the topic. I could have easily uh, moved into the new topic, but I felt like um, in such short notice, it would have been more of an emotional uh, show than it than a uh, logical, reasoned show. So I, I'll put that off to another time, but I do want to make mention of a, a couple of things before I do that. So one of the things that I think you have to do in understanding people's behavior, because there are some unique things that have happened. I don't want to call them. I used unique because uh, I'm um, at a loss to find a better word. I don't want to be condemning, but I also don't want to, you know, um, give the impression that um, it's reasoned. Um, one of the things that you have to do in order to understand a person's behavior is you have to understand what motivates their actions, what they're thinking. And one of the ways that you can tell what a person is thinking is by their actions. You know, what they do shows what they find as important. So you have to look at their actions and then put that into some type of perspective. Um, it's not an exact science because you may not know all of the factors that go into the decisions to serve for certain behaviors, but uh, it, it gives you a place to start in understanding and recognizing an individual's behavior. For example, let's take Senator Cory Booker. Uh, Cory Booker um, has uh, sacrificed himself on a couple of occasions for other people. In his interviews and when you hear him talk, he uses the word we and our a lot. And so it's easy to presume that he is a person who sees himself as part of a something bigger and that he's trying to build a community with his actions and his words. And uh, so that's easy to see based on his action. Juxtapose that to uh, Representative Ted Cruz. The community that he was in, and again, I'm taking small pieces and making inferences. And of course, you know, you're going to look at that. I don't, 
I have never met either one of these individuals personally uh, and shook their hand. And um, I believe a handshake can tell a lot about a man. So I'd hate to see that go away because of the pandemic. Um, But juxtaposed to um, uh, Cruz, juxtaposed to Cory Booker, his community suffered a loss of electricity and there was people in tragedy and he didn't step up to find solutions. At least that wasn't readily apparent in the material that I looked for. What he did was he took the people that were closest to him and he found someplace else to go because he had options. So he exercised those options and the options that he exercised was to save himself and the people that he felt closest to. Now, when he was presented in a national way with um, presented in a national way with his behavior, he then changed because, and, and my interpretation of that was the people that voted for him saw that. And so he had to address that because he wants to get reelected. Again, it's not an exact science. It's just an observation. Um, and so that behavior, and, and that's, you know, a couple of behaviors that I'm, you know, using to piece together shows a person more um, inclined to be personally invested or only invested in something when it affects him personally and doesn't see the bigger we picture in most instances. It's focused on the me picture, you know, what group am I a part of, what community am I a part of, um, and then I'll protect those. And the other communities outside of that are basically on their own, that they're not relevant to me that is not a part of what I should be caring about. Again, I don't know for a fact that is his method of thinking. It's just that that behavior leads me to believe that that is definitely a part of how he thinks. Um, in the discussions, um, you know, we've, we've been through this a number of times as far as the, the shootings go. And in the discussions, it, it always comes up that they blame music and movies and games, but they never blame the companies. These are representatives that have to go to these companies to get funds to run. So it's less likely they're going to name names of companies. They may name the name of the game, and part of that is, um, by naming a game, I don't take a direct shot at the company because the company can always come back and say, you know, we, we make other games. We do other things. This is not 
our only source of revenue. Um, but if you watch, they, they will never name the name of a company because they don't want to create that enemy. And that, that shows their disingenuous, I believe it shows their disingenuousness about their discussion. Because if they believe that shame on that recognizing the problem, they would most certainly name the company as a part of the problem and they don't. So th that was just a couple of observations. Um, again, I didn't want to make it about emotion. I wanted to make it about um, recognizing uh, some of the logical ideas and concepts to constructing an argument. Um, and I realized that um, there are a number of very valid logical arguments that have been going around and that have been just ignored and unheeded. Um, you know, recently some, um, Ted Cruz talked about having a single point of entry and failure and, and anybody, any reasonable person realizes that a single point of failure is the worst option for anything. A single point of failure is the worst option for anything not just for, for a business plan, for, um, for whatever you want to apply it to. Personal relationships. It, the single point of failure is the worst option. And to even propose that, I don't know. Uh, for me, it doesn't, doesn't seem a genuine. It just seems more like a dodge. So I, that's all I'm going to say on that, and then I'm going to go on and get into infrastructure. And infrastructure is... Uh, it's an important part of what we do every day. Um, but most of the time, the, the normal people, average person just wants things to be, to work. They don't want to spend a whole lot of time, uh, figuring out funding, figuring out, you know, who's, who's doing what job, when and where, um, so in the, in the course of research, I, I had to, I looked at it from that perspective. What is the common person? You know, how, how do we, how news articles and how do our, our media present infrastructure to the common person? Um, a lot of, several of the articles that I found and when looking up and, and studying about infrastructure, talked about GDP. Now, GDP, uh, general domestic product, is about goods and services that are created by the society, uh, the community, and you know their costs associated with that. Now, what is that number? What what does GDP mean to the regular person? It, it, really doesn't mean anything. It, it just, you know, in the, in the course of me buying diapers or milk or cheese or bread or eggs, GDP does not matter at all, not one single bit. GDP is about competition. GDP measures the economic output of one 
company or, I mean, one country to another. So they're looking at infrastructure as a function of business and not a function of people's everyday lives. And I think that that's where the conversation gets sidetracked and people don't get the information that they need is because it's being presented in a way for business people. Infrastructure is not for business people. Infrastructure is to make sure that goods and services and people are able to function better and have better lives. That's what it's for. Business is a part of that. It is not the reason for infrastructure. So uh, funding is one of the first places I started. So the United States is unique in it's the way it um, funds infrastructure. Um, other industrialized countries have funding from a um, governmental level down. Infrastructure in the United States is, is federal and local and states pay, you know, for um, roads and bridges and, and rail systems and et cetera. About 25% of the U.S. public infrastructure funding comes from the federal government. Now, this is down from 30, about 38% in 1977. Uh, a lot of, in the articles, would mention that that then, because of the way that structure, puts the burden on a lot of local governments to support infrastructure, infrastructure that might be created by the federal government and then left for the local government to maintain. And then the, the um, local government, of course, you know, is going to struggle because they, depending on how they're structured to pay for that infrastructure, how the, how the government, you know, achieves that. So the, the, the local government may then have now increased their burden, their financial burden and, and, have a difficulty time, difficult time uh, paying for that. So the um, federal government comes from a highway trust fund. It was created in 1956. It was fund to create the interstate highway system. It raises money through the gas tax. So the, there's a federal gas tax and a local gas tax. The uh, federal gas tax, let's see. Let me take that back. Yeah, so, um, so, the, so the total gas tax ranges from less than 10% to nearly 60 cents. I'm sorry, less than 10 cents to nearly 60 cents per gallon of gas. And that's um, used to to fund infrastructure projects. Um, 
so so understanding how we fund projects, how we fund infrastructure gives us a place to start trying to understand why infrastructure suffers the way it does or is elevated in the way it does. I haven't gotten to the uh, private public aspect of infrastructure, which I will definitely uh, hopefully get to before the end of this. Um, as we are trying to eliminate fossil fuels, as we try to eliminate fossil fuels, the use of petroleum is going to drop. That means income from petroleum, that means it's going to change. So um, as less fossil fuel is consumed, those tax dollars to manage infrastructure has to come from somewhere and that's either part of it is going to be in raising the gas tax. So petroleum is going to become more and more expensive as we try to wean ourselves from that. And other sources of revenue for the state and federal government are going to have to pick up the slack. So, so looking at long-term, having a plan to move from fossil fuel to other forms of energy needs to be start put into place immediately. There needs to, it needs to be addressed. We need to be working towards doing that. The most recent um, infrastructure bill, I don't think included that type of language or those types of plans. And they should be. Um, we should have, you know, we make the commitment to, we should be making a commitment to whatever system that we we plan to use long-term rather than uh, wean ourselves from petroleum by, uh, by inertia. Just as people, as we fall away, then we patch it up and we do whatever's necessary just to keep the system moving um, until we, we get to a place that we're going to be stable as far as fossil fuel use. I think we, we should have a plan and there have been attempts at creating those plans. The new deal, the green, the green new deal was an attempt to try to put things into place so that we have a plan to move forward and how we're going to address that. It wasn't, I don't know if it was necessarily sold as, you know, that type of plan um, to the degree that I, I, I think it could have better been uh, sold as, but, but we do need to make sure that, that we have some kind of plan in place and it doesn't appear that we do that, that the broader con congressional behavior is to make big plans like that. It, it's usually um, piecemeal because um, there's a reticence to change that we will ride the um, petroleum pony until it keels over. And I think um, to 
better meet the needs of the people, we should always have a plan. Now, part of um, infrastructure, and um, so I mentioned earlier that uh, it's about business, that, that when they talk about infrastructure, they talk about mainly about business and how business functions and business operates. Um, Let me go. Let me go here first. Congress approved the largest federal investment in infrastructure uh, that has, you know, in in decades, one point two trillion dollars uh, of infrastructure investment in the um, in, uh, infrastructure investment and jobs act. And I'm just there was some talk of, you know, I, I'm just taking the roads and bridges piece, the the. There, there is part of the infrastructure bill that was an investment in the people, and I'm not addressing that. I'm just addressing the roads, bridges, um, railway systems, airlines. You know, the the that physical piece of infrastructure. So that that bill was passed on November the 15th in 2021. It was passed by a vote of 228 to 206. 13 Republicans and all but six House Democrats voted for the bill and they sent it to the president's desk. And, and again, as I said, it was voted on. So experts are saying, so this is one of the articles experts were saying in the article that, that U S infrastructure is both dangerously outstretched and lagging behind that of its economic competitors particularly China. Again, and what I pointed to earlier is that infrastructure is, the conversation around infrastructure is framed by the idea that we have to do something to keep up with China or America is going to disappear. It's just going to go to the way of the dodo bird. Now, the from a for large businesses that matters for the person who you know just eggs and cheese the comp- competitiveness with china is not their major concern if they if they get cheese and eggs and they get the food that they need they can go to places that they need to go what does competitively beating China add to that that makes it worth them understanding that conversation? So if, you're, if you can buy all of the items that you need to buy, if you can have the, the world that you need, and you're in third place economically, how does that change your life? And it doesn't. It only changes for those people that believe competition is what drives growth. So if China has more people, it stands to reason that they would have maybe greater growth. It's how the, it's however they manage their, their, their economy. 
And so that competition aspect to me becomes a hard sell, hard to sell aspect of the discussion around infrastructure. So as I said, the goal of infrastructure is to provide goods and services to a common person. Competition between companies, uh, countries, is an aspect that is not necessary for the common person to uh, understand. If companies, if companies need particular infrastructure projects to remain competitive, they feel they have to be competitive. Competition is a part of doing business. If you don't have competition, um, it changes the fundamentally changes the way you do business, but competition is a fundamental part of doing business. It is, it is competition should push you to be better. And the concern that I have is by framing the, the infrastructure conversation as a competitive issue, it then causes us to um, aid business in a way that eliminates competition or that minimizes competition to push them to be better. So they're, they're pushing, they're framing the conversation in a way that the average individual then becomes um, the average, the average person says, okay, we need to fund projects that don't change my, my everyday life. And so they're they're They give money to, or they give resources to companies that should be fighting that comp that cha- that competition with the resources that they have, and not using public resources to to create roads and bridges and ports for the benefit of companies. It should be for the benefit of the people. Um. There was just a second here. So one of the one of the um, ideas that came to me as I was looking through this is that um, by framing the conversation around competition that that companies um, need that additional work uh, infrastructure to compete if a biz- if business needs infrastructure to compete, to get things done, then shouldn't they, shouldn't that be a part of their financial burden to provide whatever's necessary for them to be competitive? And yet they using the, the federal treasury, the, the tax dollars, they're trying to encourage the use of tax dollars to 
make sure that they remain competitive. What happens is they go to the, they, they go reach out to try to get support from taxpayers to build infrastructure so that they remain competitive. When it becomes time for profits, they don't give back to the public. They don't repay the public. They pay those um, stockholders and bondholders. So they, as my, as Leonard likes to say, they um, socialize. Um, they socialize loss and privatize profit. So I, I encourage you when you when you look at those articles, you know if you do the research, you will find. Uh, I encourage you to see if you see what I saw. Um, you know, the discussion is around making things, making infrastructure better for business. I'm not saying infrastructure doesn't need to be better for everyone, and it should be. But the central focus shouldn't be, I don't think, should not be competitiveness of business. It should be use, function of use for citizens. During the Obama years, they tried to explain that to folks. That businesses didn't actually do that building. They didn't actually, they didn't even put back necessarily. Because many of them didn't pay taxes at all. How, 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 do, how do you use the roads and bridges? How do you use the infrastructure? How do you bring in your products at the port and pay nothing? And not pay for those, help pay for those services. That they, there was an attempt to try to uh, make that make that case and get people to understand that during the Obama years and the uproar that the confusion and uproar around that was designed to obfuscate from that very point. And a lot of times it was smaller businesses, small businesses that were, um, because of a few wording uh, pushed back on that idea and not understand the broader concept. Um, let's see here. So in that, in that, uh, in the, in the articles, um, There, there was a talk that experts are pushing for, some experts are pushing for more private um, investment in um, roads and bridges. Um, we have different funding mechanisms, such as uh, toll roads. So you have toll roads. These are 
roads that have a, you know, I, most people have probably gone through a toll road at some point, you, you know, especially if you're older, you've gone through a toll road at some point. And those, that funds that are captured from people that are using the road are then used to keep up that road. And if I'm, if I remember my research is that those are private highways. That's a private stretch of road and they collect tolls to help pay for that road. Now, the problem I have with that is roads and bridges all belong to the people. So earlier I mentioned uh, companies, if they need to fund, if they need special roads and bridges in order to be competitive, that they should pay for them. But even at the, the, the expense that when they pay for those roads and bridges, they still belong to the people of the, the United States. They funded those roads, but the people of the United States still own the land. Those roads and bridges still belong to them. You just funded development of that. That doesn't give you, that doesn't give you the land. That doesn't give you... Um, it, 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 it was something that you needed to do to fund your business, to make your business work. You chose to put your business in a place where the development was needed. That infrastructure still belongs to the people. So, um, and, and, you know, people are going to debate me on that. And, and I, I welcome that debate. I welcome that debate. Um, so, so, um, business has a, has, has a, um, looking for the right word here, um, use for the infrastructure and, um, and so I understand that and their considerations can be taken into um, consideration also during infrastructure building and infrastructure maintenance. Um, So right now, the way infrastructure is completed, now, um, most of the infrastructure that I have much of the infrastructure that I have seen is private companies. Um, as I mentioned, uh, some experts are moving to have um, more private companies doing the infrastructure. So the, the government will pay for it, private contractors then do the work. The problem, I, the concern I have here is that private industry charges a profit to get that work done. So it increases the cost 
of getting that work done. Whereas if the federal government does it or the state government does it, it gets done at cost. There's no additional profit extracted from public funds to get the work done. There is a benefit of doing it that way because the expertise of construction, getting construction done, um, what need, what goes into these projects, project development, design, the whole start to finish to getting things done is a skill set that's brought into the the public domain. That's that's there. So that that some private some some private involvement can be overseen better because the skills are a part of the government so that they can apply those skills in uh, overseeing private contractors. And so I think um, it, it's okay for some level of um, private contractors in infrastructure, but I do think the government should take a bigger role in that because it is, from a cost standpoint, there is, it takes, it removes the project, the um, profit motive, and it also provides skills that are necessary for overseeing all the projects that are, that uh, all the infrastructure projects that are necessary. Um, there was a while back, um, I say a while back, there was some concern that they didn't have, and, and I know this is not infrastructure, but they, they couldn't go after white collar crime because they didn't have the skill set to, um, the skills to understand the financial documents or the financial um, instruments that were being used um, to fund um, white collar crime or to incur to, for white collar crime to occur. And, um, and so, uh, all right. All right. So they they didn't have, uh, the skill set to, uh, catch a lot of these criminals. And so that skill set needs to be brought on board for, for anything that the government is involved in. It has to have that. So the more we farm out, the more we allow privatization of government functions, the actually the, the less control, the less ability to understand what's going on may be a problem. And so in order to ensure that public funds are being used to optimum, there has to be that skill set on board. And part of that skill set is by actually doing some of that work. So, so the, the government should be, and I'm, I can't 
I'm sure there, there are things that the government probably should not get into. Um, but if, if it's something that we have to monitor and um, uh, I don't want to say control, some, we have to monitor and oversee, you know, that's, that skill set is absolutely necessary. And so part of that is, you know, doing some of that work, um, finding those people, um, and, and always the discussion is going to go back to salaries and that kind of stuff. But, but that's all a part of, you know, making government function efficiently for everyone. Um, we, we all know about the, the bridge to nowhere, or we call them pork barrel projects where, you know, um, contractors bid on a project and then it, it goes off the rails. Uh, it takes longer for the project to, to reach a conclusion. It takes, you know, longer, the costs are inflated and et cetera, et cetera. There's no control over or the, the project gets out of hand. Now, there are things that are going to come up and it's going to cause um, delays. It's going to cause, you know, undue burdens. It's going to change the price. Um, you know, war happens. Concrete becomes an issue, getting supplies, those kinds of things. And those are understandable. But having someone with the knowledge of industry insider knowledge and understanding that helps differentiate when, a, when something is being abused and when something is being used. So, so now the, the bridge to nowhere and, and I thought that this was a, um, so at the time I saw it as, you know, a bad thing. So, um, there was a, a bridge and I don't want to make the wrong assertion of where it was, but anyway, there was a bridge and the bridge was only going to be used. It was going to be used so minimally there was a concern that it was just in order to, in order to use up funds. So the way that the budget things are budgeted is if you don't use it, you lose it. And that mentality leads to projects that don't necessarily need to get done. And so you get the bridge to nowhere because if my if 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 I don't use these funds, I will lose the funds and my budget will be cut. So then it becomes you you do it you do projects that don't make much sense, that don't have any real value in that in the long term are not going to um, be very useful. Now, keeping that in mind, the 
Population in the United States has tripled since the 60s. With that comes growth. With that becomes change. And so some areas need to be expanded so that we have available room for growth. Now, there is maybe an anticipation that growth is going to happen in a particular area. You put in the infrastructure, you build roads and bridges so that homes and things can be built, and then something changes. And that area then does not become useful. That's understandable. It happens. I, I don't know at this particular point how you um, mitigate that problem. But when that happens, we can't immediately say that was a problem. It should not have happened um, because in order for that growth to take place, the infrastructure has to be in place. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. If the infrastructure is not in place, you're not going to get there. The, the, the area is not going to develop. You're not going to be able to put homes and businesses or whatever there because there's no way in and out to bring goods and services to get people, to move people in and out of the space. But plans like, you know, the best laid plans can go wrong. You know, your anticipation is that an area is going to grow or that you need it to grow. You build it and then you presume that people are going to want to move in because you've got overcrowding in a particular area and yet people stick with the overcrowding or they move to another area completely instead of moving into the area that you've developed for that particular growth. That can happen. And so managing that, and we as citizens have to be able to understand and connect with, you know, when things happen, was it the fault of the planning or was it the fault of, or was it connected to people's desire to do something different? Um, I think I pretty much covered um, what I wanted to cover with infrastructure. Um, Yeah. Yeah, one of the things that, that, uh, that I really wanted to, to just punch, just punch, was ownership of infrastructure. I don't particularly care for the idea of private ownership um, because you can, you know, a private industry can make a particular uh, portion of an area unusable by having exorbitant maybe, you know, um, toll fees. Um, I don't like the idea of toll bridges, uh, toll 
um, booths um, because I don't care how they, they so it's been a while since I've been through a toll area but one of the things I remember is you have to slow down it changes the pace at which access to the facility is used now it may be different I don't know um, you know, maybe with apps you can pay miles up the road and go through and then it doesn't change that aspect of it. But the fact that a private industry can impact the flow of goods and services through a particular area um, concerns me. Now, I don't live, I can't think of a toll facility in the state of Missouri that I've gone to. And so there may be, there's going to be things that I don't, or I may not understand about tolls, toll roads. But, you know, just, just off the top, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of those. Um, some of the articles that I read talked about how cities and states, you know, wind up having to pay for that uh, infrastructure. So, so the federal government is one of the, one of the articles talked about federal, the federal government is about building new construction and not necessarily uh, dealing with the old construction. So, um, there, since, since the federal, since the federal and state government are, you know, both responsible for infrastructure, um, there has to be a better way to ensure that infrastructure is managed on a, a continuous basis rather than we build a bunch of new infrastructure, wait till it starts to fall apart. Uh, and then have an argument about how do we pay for it? How do we pay for um, getting things done? How do we pay for making things better? Um, that says to me that we don't have a plan. Um, I tend to have a lot of idioms that I like, that I use. Uh, and, and one of them is people don't plan to fail. They fail to plan. Without a plan, you will do things in a patchwork way that eventually will stop working. Because the original concept and idea is no longer valid. And there is no central idea moving forward because you patched things so much that the patches that the, these, the incremental changes have basically changed the idea from the beginning. And so what I'd like to see is more planning, more long-term planning. I'd like to see us, you know, ensure that our roads and bridges are 
I have driven down streets where um, they're not going to patch it until the hole swallows up an automobile or a small child. It's just you drive down the street and I, you just imagine that it's destroying your suspension in your car because there's potholes and there's depressed areas that, you know, you either should slow down for or you're going to be in for a bumpy ride. I've driven down streets where, you know, the center lane is smoother, but if you travel in the right-hand lane, um, it's it's a horrible ride. And so we tend to, because of financial costs and those things, there's a lot of patchwork done. When you do a lot of patchwork, because you didn't, you may not um, have had a plan or you may not, something has caused you not be able to um, pay for the plan that you had before. Um, but it, it, st- it still does make for um, a bad, difficult situation in um, that construction. Now, So I, there was there was an idea that I had regarding you know how to um, handle infrastructure. I'm not gonna say, but but there should, but but having the state and because there are you know there are highways that the government handles and then there are highways that the state handles. But but I would think that it would be better if infrastructure was handled more as infrastructure around the country and not infrastructure per state. Um, The idea that you can drive through Illinois and never hit a pothole and get to Missouri and never miss a pothole to me seems... Um, counterproductive. And by having this, this is my area, this is my area mentality leads to that kind of scenario. Because everybody needs help sometimes. And even in this, in this, and we've seen that as far as states go. States need help sometimes. And so the federal government and the, and the state's governments should not be territorial when it comes to taking care of the people of the country. Because while I am a resident of the state of Missouri, I am still a United States citizen. And, and those two things don't have to be exclusive. And I think putting together um, plans built on the concept that we are one America can help alleviate some of the problems in particular areas because there has to be a way 
to see the country as a whole and still recognize individual areas of difficulty and and resources that need to be applied. And so the idea then becomes, how do we get there from where we are? I believe that where we are is at an individual state. You know, this is my area. This is, this is my realm of influence where I exert the most power. And I, and I'm, and if we see it more as like Cory Booker sees it, and this is not my attempt necessarily to elevate him, but to see that, that we are in this together, that if the roads in Tennessee are not as good as the roads in Missouri, that is a problem and that needs to be addressed. And it is a problem for me as a resident of Missouri. I want my family and friends and people that are just good old Americans to have roads that they don't, that they can uh, drive down and accomplish the things that they need to accomplish Um, because it makes America a better place and it eliminates some of that friction um, because we're not competitors. Missouri and Illinois should not be competitors. But, but, you know, as I was growing up, they were competitors because one had blue laws and, and one didn't. And people would, you know, go to Illinois to get gas um, because it was cheaper or, you know, so the, the, the gas tax was cheaper and so they could get gas at a, at a discounted rate. But you should be able to, so I think you should be able to drive through um, Missouri and Illinois and notice that there are some differences, but notice that some of the basics are the same. There's a minimum acceptable level or standard of roads and bridges. I'm going to say thank you very much for joining me this afternoon. My name is Leon Davis, and I'll be back next week. Um, Until then, you stay safe. That concludes this episode of Altitude Adjustment. And thank you for listening. This podcast is streamed live on YouTube and Twitch.tv and is designed for listener interaction. Visit the website, thelionsdenstl.wixsite.com forward slash home to join the discussion. The audio version of Altitude Adjustment is available where you get your podcasts, including Stitcher.com, the iTunes Store, and the Google Play Music Store, to name a few. Remember that the internet is powered by your likes, shares, and comments. So please like, share, and comment on this and other episodes of Altitude Adjustment because it matters. And as always, look out for the other guy because they may not be looking out for you. <laughs>